Welcome to the Reinventing Education Podcast. I'm Rob McLeod, joined as always by Brennan O'Leary. Welcome to episode 101. If you are new to us, highly recommend going back to listen to the 100th episode, the episode prior to this called How to Develop a School in 2023. If you are new to us, our main shtick here is this idea of the three types of school, that there are expert-centric schools, coach-centric schools, and counselor-centric schools. Good day, Brendan O'Leary. How are you doing? Hi, Rob. So, Brendan, we're hoping to move from a very abstract layout of our ideas in episode 100 to a very practical use of those ideas today. Can you give us the overview of what we hope to accomplish? So we've uh, developed an interest over the 100 episodes in trying to build some form of tool to help you, us, all of us identify which of these three types of school, the expert, the coach, or the counselor-centered model, which one do we like the most, which one resonates and agrees with our own practices and philosophy, which one is currently happening in the schools we work in, and is that current way a healthy expression of that so we're going to try and set out this tool today by looking at those eight aspects of school as a way to analyze whether we are in an expert-centered coach-centered or counselor-centered model yeah and this is really important because there are many ways you can lead school development and school growth but we believe it is much more effective if you can tease apart which one of these three are you most invested in which one describes your current context? And out of these three, are you doing it well or not? And then finally, just which one is the best fit for your context? Because occasionally, the thing that is actually the best fit for your context may or may not be alignment with the one that you're really into. So in today's episode, we're going to review this idea of the eight aspects of a school. And by looking across these eight aspects, we can find out which one is most active in your school, the expert, the coach, or the counselor method of uh, organizing and relationship. So these eight aspects, we'll go into them in just a moment in detail, but just as a recap, the eight aspects of a school are the activities in a school, the resources in the school, the environments in the school, the systems in the school, the communities in the school, the culture in the school, and then the beliefs of the individuals within the school and the reactions of the individuals within the school. So we are looking for structures and relationships that reinforce each other. And again, just as a quick summary from our previous episode, the expert relationship, the expert apprentice model tends to reinforce a structure of like a clear pyramid of hierarchy. The relationship of the coach tends to reinforce a structure of kind of like a flow chart where responsibility and authority is distributed. And then finally, the relationship of the counselor tends to happen within the structure and reinforces a structure of a circle or more sociocratic organizational structure. So if you'd like to make use of the document that we've created to help you with this survey to find out which of the three types of school is most present at your school, you can find the link in the description to this episode. If you're not able to do that at the moment, we will walk you through the document over the course of this episode by explaining the eight aspects and uh, providing you three choices for each so you can discern which of these three types of school is most at play in your current educational context. 
And the way we're going to do that is through a thought experiment. Uh, we want you to imagine that you are 10 minutes into a lesson. It doesn't matter what role you're playing, whether you're the teacher, a student, uh, an observer in the classroom. You're 10 minutes into a lesson, an activity has begun, and freeze. Okay, so first we will look at the aspect of the activities that are currently happening in the classroom. So here are your choices. When you look at the activities, number one, the activity was chosen for this lesson because of the teacher's discernment or the teacher's choice and the teacher knowing what the students needed. Or two, the activity was chosen for this lesson because of data and evidence and the data informed the teacher. Or three, the activity was chosen for this lesson because of consent from and negotiation with the students. It was the students who informed the activity. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's all of these. And of course, that's true. But we're looking for which one is prioritized. Yeah, if you could only pick one of these three, which best represents what is happening in your school. And again, right now, we're talking about what is happening in your current context. We're trying to help you identify which of these three is most present across the eight aspects in your school now. And in service of being able to figure out which one is currently calling most of the shots in your school, Brendan will go back through and identify out of those three choices, which one connects to which of the three types of school now. And so the expert-centered approach would be, number one, that the activity was chosen for the lesson because of the teacher's discernment and choice, and they know what the students need. The coach-centered model would have the activity chosen because of data and evidence that is informing the teacher, while the counselor-centered model would choose the lesson because of um, how they'd gained consent from and negotiated what would happen with the students, i.e. the students are informing the teacher of what should happen. And so moving forward with the rest of the aspects here, we're going to keep this order. We won't try and trick you by changing up the order. We'll always present first the expert-centric example, then the coach-centric example, and then the counselor-centric example. And so we move on to the resources and the expert-centered model. The resources that the students are using for these activities are all the same. Every student has the same resource, whatever that is, textbook, for example. In the coach-centered model, choice two, the resources that the students are using for the activity are differentiated. And in choice three, the counselor-centered model, the resources are all individualized. So now that we've looked at the activities and the resources being used for those activities, we'll now move on to the classroom or the teaching and learning environment. So number one, in the expert-centered world, we've got the classroom and learning environment with fixed seating. It's very functional. There'll be an emphasis on the storage of student and teacher materials and as well displaying products of learning around the classroom. Number two, the coach-centric environment. The classroom and learning environment has varied seating, a variety of learning opportunities or different stations within the room. And those could be flexible, some things are stored and then brought out for different learning opportunities. And finally, there are learning aids and examples around and throughout the classroom and learning environment. And then number three, the counselor, centric approach. Their environment, the classroom, the learning environment, has fluid seating, fluid and evolving areas, 
and is kind of like constantly a work in progress. There's always some kind of like process or an ongoing development, an emergent nature to the classroom and things can constantly be changing. Let's move on to the systems. So we're looking at the housekeeping and jobs in the classroom, maybe the how the teacher uh, does behavior management and the kind of pedagogical frameworks, how teaching and learning happens. So we're looking at how explicit and flexible is that framework. In number one, in the expert-centered model, we have frameworks that are implicit, they're traditional, they're fixed, and they're designed by the teacher. In the coach-centered model, number two, the frameworks are explicit, they're transparent, they're adaptive, and they're probably mostly designed by a pedagogical team on a school-wide or school board level. And then as we move into number three, the counselor-centered model, the frameworks are contextual based on what is needed, what is happening, what is emergent as things are coming into being or becoming more important. And these frameworks are designed by the members of the learning community. The next aspect that we'll look at is that of communities, rather the groups of people within the school. And of course, there can be multiple communities within a school. And typically, any one member is a part of multiple communities within the school. So we're doing this freeze frame, 10 minutes into the activity, things pause, and we look around the room the groups of people within various communities are characterized by hierarchy and practice. Practice because we are doing things together to practice and get better at something. Often the communities of people are in the same profession or undertake the same activities or interests. The teacher is leading all students to do what's right, which means doing things the same. And there is most likely a specific grouping done by either age or some random factor. For example, in a classroom, you might have, you know, class 5A and 5B. Both groups will be by the same age, but, but whether you're in class A or class B, there's no specific rhyme or reason to it necessarily. Choice number two, the coach-centric approach. The communities, the groups of people are characterized by a network and interests or incentives. These are communities of people who typically share the same interest or passion. The teacher is guiding groups, all doing variations of a similar theme, but differentiated to their abilities or interests or readiness. And the groupings, still likely done by age, but the groupings are also put together by ability. And this could include groups between across classes, and then finally, number three, choice three, here we're looking at the counselor-centric school. The communities or the groups of people are characterized by community action and a sense of commune or togetherness. We often use the circle as well to kind of talk about the organizational structure. These are communities of people trying to bring about change. The teacher is counseling individual students through individual projects and meaningful work. And any groups of students would be happening due to student choice or negotiation or consent or agreement with the teachers. And we move on to a related aspect, that of culture. And what we're mostly looking at here is the social interactions and how they're characterized. So again, within our freeze frame, number one, the expert-centered model would be seeing social interactions characterized mostly by respect, duty, 
and correct actions. Okay, so the next aspect we look at is the cultures within the classroom. What we're mainly talking about here is the social interactions and uh, how they're characterized. So if we look at number one, the expert-centered model, the social interactions are characterized by respect, duty, and correct actions. We might say, show respect and do your duty. We always want things done right. In the coach-centered model, number two, we're looking at social interactions characterized by goal-setting by achievement, by progress. We're saying, set yourself some goals and then smash them. We're always looking to be growing and developing. And then in the in choice number three, the counselor-centered model, we are characterizing our social interactions by inclusion, taking action, well-being, and making things meaningful. We might say, make it matter and be good to yourself, be good to us. So we've now talked about the communities and cultures. Next, we shift to the aspect of the beliefs of the individuals involved in this educational context. And here, we're going to focus on the beliefs uh, from the teacher's perspective about their beliefs, about their role as a teacher in the classroom for the teaching and learning. So number one, in the expert-centric form of education, the teacher would have beliefs that we are doing what's important and necessary. We're doing it the right way. You as a teacher help students to become good people. There's an emphasis on character development here. Number two, in the coach-centric educational context, when looking at beliefs, the belief about being a teacher is we are doing things the best way. You help students get qualifications for a good job. So the emphasis here is your role is to help for work preparation. And then finally, number three, in the counselor-centric approach, the beliefs about your role as the teacher in the classroom, we are doing things the meaningful way. You help students' personal flourishing and self-actualization. Some tough choices because, yeah, you know, we're doing all of them to a certain degree, but which one is the priority? Which one is happening most in your current environment? So we come to the final of the eight aspects. These are the reactions of the people in the room, that is their mental, emotional, social, and physical reactions to this activity. Number one, in an expert-centered classroom, we're looking for a positive mental, emotional, social, and physical reaction to those expectations of showing respect, doing your duty, and doing things correctly. Number two, in a coach-centered model, we're looking for a positive mental emotional, social, and physical reaction to those expectations that were setting goals and were looking for achievement and progress. And number three, in a counselor-centered model, we're looking for a positive mental, emotional, social, and physical reaction to those expectations of inclusion and taking action and focusing on well-being and meaning. So there we have it. We've looked at the eight aspects of school and try to give you some helpful pointers that might help you to see which of the three types of school, expert, coach, or counselor, are most at play in your school. And you may notice that all eight aspects were in alignment with one of them. Probably you'll notice a little bit of a mix, possibly, between the three, the three types of school across those eight aspects. But again, why are we doing this? Well, it's in our interest to build some tools to help you, to help us identify which of these three 
do you like the most? Because knowing which one you are wishing to orient towards, the expert, the coach, or the counselor is really important because that's going to inform your ideas about development and contribution in your school and your context. And it's very helpful to know which one your school is at now. And if your school is, is if its current way is a healthy expression of one of these three types, and then to also be able to answer the, the next question of which is the best fit for your context. And the way we can use these eight aspects is to do the diagnosis that we just did. See which of the three types of school is at play right now across the eight aspects and then ask ourselves, okay, do we have an agreement on which of these three types of school is the best fit for our context? Make that decision, expert, coach, or counselor approach. Do this diagnostic to see currently the report card of which of these three is influencing each of those eight aspects, and then make a plan. How do we make a healthy expression or a healthy transition into ensuring that all eight aspects are in alignment with one of these three types of school? And why do that? Well, we go back to this idea of in, in every school, there's a tug of war between the, the expert, the coach, and the counselor approach. And our belief is that one wise approach to school development is to define and be clear of which of these three is the best fit for your context, and then pursue establishing and nourishing and, and, uh, and building that one across these eight aspects. So if you're still with us, go ahead, fill in that form, send us your email over. Maybe this can be the beginning of a conversation because these questions help. They're a starting point, but every school is so different in so many ways. And every school is doing all of these things to some degree. But we're looking at what are the priorities when time is tight, when energy is short, when we're looking for long-term visions and goals, what are the priorities, what gets pushed to the side, what takes precedence over others. And is that what you think should be happening in the place where you are? Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd say finally, after 101 episodes, Rob, we've, we've done something practical. <laughs> Fill in the form, talk to us. The conversation can happen this way. Yeah, and let's build some relationships with other folks who find this way of thinking interesting and useful. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Brendan.